Hello and welcome to the first real episode of the Youth for You podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Kieran. And I'm Leslie Vallejo Avila. Cool. Um, so today our episode is focusing on race relations in San Francisco Unified, focusing on the recent change in Lowell admissions policy and SFUSD name changes of schools. And we have some awesome guests on today's show. We have both student delegates and a member of SFUSD renaming committee. So if we could just do some introductions where we go around, say our name, our grade, our school, and then what you do in your free time. So like, what are your extracurriculars and you know, maybe a hobby that you enjoy? So Siobhan, if you'd like to start us off. Yeah, hi everyone, my name is Siobhan. I'm a senior at Lowell, student delegate to the board. Um, what I do in my free time, art, um, I just started a piece like two days ago. Um, that is awesome. Yeah, music. Cool. I like to listen to music, so yeah. Right on. Katya? Hey, my name is Katya. I go to June Jordan School for Equity. I'm a senior, and something I like to do in my free time is poetry, um, dancing, singing, and also art. Wow, beautiful. Amiali? Hey, everyone. I'm Amiali Ordonez. I'm a senior at Lowell High School, and I'm part of the Names Committee. Um, during my free time, I like to eat and watch Netflix, and I'm I've been doing college stuff. Uh, definitely, yeah. We're all seniors here, I believe. So college stuff has definitely been weighing on our minds recently. Um, so I, I guess we should get straight into it. So Leslie, go ahead. Um, oh, was, am I gonna introduce myself? Yeah. And okay. Yeah. So my name is Leslie Vallejo Avila. I'm a senior at Lowell High School and I am the SFUSD SAC Social Justice Committee Chair. Some of the things I like to do on my free time is focus on my online retail business. Uh, it's on Depop and Instagram. And a focus of extracurriculars is I like to be involved in like student-led organizations, you know, youth are the future. And that's why I like to do that. And this is a student-led organization, this podcast, so right on. Um, if you guys didn't know, my name is Kieran. Uh, I'm a senior at Lowell High School. And um, what I like to do in my free time, I play a lot of soccer uh, and I'm also on the debate team at Lowell. So uh, I love having conversations and learning, which is why we're doing this podcast here today. So if Leslie, could you kick us off with the first question and then we'll have you know maybe five minutes of conversation about it and then we'll move on to the next topic. So since this podcast is focused on young leaders, we wanted to ask, how has your leadership experiences shaped who you are today? And I guess, Siobhan, could you kick us off first? Yeah. Um, how has my leadership experience shaped me? Um, yeah, I think it's shaped me in many different ways. Um, yeah. Damn, this is kind of tough. Uh, <laughs> no worries. Um, deep question. Like, 
I'm able to act in many different capacities than I was like starting off freshman year as a leader, um, you know, expanding outside of like club leadership um, to like state leadership to city leadership. So, yeah. Uh, and, and your leadership of the Lowell BSU has been really inspiring. So can you talk a little bit about how organizing events and stuff for that, especially considering the culture at Lowell has been for you? Yeah, um, it's really a lot of self-planning. Um, oh. I have friends that help out from time to time, um, but I mostly plan a lot of our events um, by myself um, with community support, which helps a lot. Very impressive, thank you. And then Katya? Yeah, so for me to be able to talk about how it has impacted me, I wanna talk about how I became a leader, if that's okay. Yeah. So, um, before high school, I never saw myself as a leader. It actually wasn't until La Raza at, mm. at Jordan that I started to see myself in these leadership positions. So I remember my freshman year, I was helping, I was being a leader by, you know, getting grants to be able to go to another country for my club. And then by the second year, all those seniors that were holding it down started leaving and it became, you know, just me stepping up when no one else. And then by my junior year, we had no teacher advisors. It was just the students saying, hey, we really want this club. And that's when I really started to see myself as a leader, you know, being able to organize like festivals and plan walkouts. I thought that's when I started to really be confident in my skills. And the way that has impacted me is that I'm more secure and I feel confident in what I'm meant to do in this world. I believe in myself but most importantly I believe in what I stand for my community so it's really been able to pay the pay the way of where I want to go to life and what I want to accomplish which is definitely not just for me but it's for my community that was amazing thank you Katya and Ami Ali oh dang that was really good I don't know <laughs> Um, no, I think um, I am in a lot of community-based um, led organizations like Poder, and they've definitely pushed me to think about my community, like not just myself, but my ancestors and the people who are going to come after me and how like things will affect them. So I think like these leadership experiences kind of push me to think not just about myself and my family, but like something bigger for like my community. Awesome, thank you guys. Leslie, do you have a follow-up? Um, no, I, I honestly appreciate your guys' answers and being so vulnerable with all of us, so thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think it was good because it gave like you know our, our viewers a little more insight as to how qualified you guys are uh, and how amazing you know leaders you guys all are. So that's why we asked you on the show. So we appreciate that. And um, moving into our next question is uh, pretty topical, especially in, especially in recent days. Um, you know, the change in Lowell admissions, right? I believe the resolution passed, was it last week? And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk online about it. I've seen, you know, from people at Lowell, from outside of Lowell, from parents, a lot of negative, you know, um, discussion about it. 
So I was wondering if you guys could talk about some of the benefits that you believe will come from uh, making Lowell uh, lottery-based admissions as opposed to what we used to have. Um, and you know, show people kind of the other side of the view if they already view it negatively. So I'm gonna start with Katya on this one. Um, you know, the obvious one that comes to mind is the different climate that is gonna be at Lowell. I think that opening it up to everyone, you kind of set this path for people to truly um, learn from one another. I think that, I mean, I can't really say I don't go to Lowell, but from what I've heard, the climate is very cutthroat. You know, it's very do, do things for your own and get where you need to go. But I think by opening up the community or opening up the school to the bigger community, you're going to see change in the people you see in the hallways, the people who you sit next to in class. And I believe that every person in San Francisco has something to offer. You know, whether it be their experiential knowledge that they've gained from just being an individual in this world or, you know, struggles that people may not even think about because they're in their own little bubble. I think that's one clear way that Lowell is going to change. Another thing that I see is I think that Lowell perpetuates this system that like only a certain specific type of individual can succeed in this world. And I think that by opening it up, you're gonna be able to see that, you know, you don't have to fit in one box to be able to succeed. And it's gonna be proof, you know, there's gonna be people who are gonna go to low that other people may be like, oh, I don't think you're gonna do well here. And then once you see them flourish, that's gonna change a lot of paradigms. So those are some of the ways I believe Lowell will be impacted positively. Definitely, that's a great answer. And I feel like what you're kind of saying is like, there's one type of learning, classroom learning, but there's also learning from other people, which is kind of like one of the most valuable types of learning that kids at Lowell are missing out on. But if you have a diversity of people at the school, you're learning from many different backgrounds. And I feel like that enriches education in a really different way than it is now. Siobhan, do you have any thoughts on, on this topic? Um, yeah, what have I not said already? Um, I think a lot of people's arguments are definitely seated in a racial bias and also ignorance. Um, the main one is that our academics are gonna go down. Um, I think kids know what they're signing up for. Um, since it's lottery, you have to put Lowell on your choice to schools to be entered into the lottery. So kids are making the choice and the decision, or you got the helicopter parents, the parents are making the decision uh, to put their kids in that school. So I think kids know what they're signing up for. Um, so I think the argument that, you know, our academics are gonna go down, this school is gonna, you know, turn upside down is definitely seated in racial bias. And you kind of heard the same arguments in the 60s when and in the 50s when you know schools were first being desegregated oh leslie were you gonna say that oh my bad okay um but yeah i mean i feel like they made the same arguments back then uh that a lot of people who are against the change in world missions are are making now um so yeah amiali any any other thoughts um i agree with what Siobhan and Katya said, I think this will be 
hopefully this will also change like the toxic culture that's at Lowell. And, like, yeah, that's mm. it. Yeah, I think it's just to finish off, I think it's definitely more important now to protect black and brown students. Um, Cause I'm not gonna be like, you know, oblivious and say like the environment won't be hostile. Um, and I think we definitely need to keep a bare eye on administration um, because I think they are looking into having an SRO officer now that we're going into this lottery chain. So that says a lot, like you're scared of black and brown kids coming in. So now you want a police officer, you know, Lowell don't have no fights. So why do we need an SRO officer all of a sudden? Like, come on now. Um, I just wanted to add that the reason why I think it's so beneficial, this change in admissions policy is only because it's not just a change that this generation of students wanted, but actually a change that has been long overdue. And as we saw how even students in the 60s, like that's that's a long time ago, um, wanted a change in admissions policy just because one, like the racism, like students, parents would even say that they wanted their kids to go to Lowell only because they would be able to avoid interacting with black students. And I can't even imagine what students had to go through back then, just because racism was just in a whole different level back then. And I think that this change in admission is really doing justice for these students and also justice for today, um, which is also why I want to add a, a second question, which is what are some misconceptions that you all want to clear up with in regards to the name change? I mean, in regards to the to the new admissions policy? Um, for me, definitely, uh, there's a whole bunch of misconceptions, man. I mean, honestly, it's uh, it's pretty surprising that the smart kids, you know, don't get it. Um, one, the first argument, you know, it's gonna weaken academics. Like who's gonna weaken academics? Like if you racist, just say that. Um, another thing is also funding. Um, a lot of them think we're going to lose funding if we let the kids in. And I'm like, mm, no. Um, another thing is they're only doing this because ugh, one of my friends said this. It's very sad that the board is saying that black and brown kids can't succeed by taking away this policy. So that's that idea is hella backwards because all of the schools are lottery. So now you're saying that lottery equals no one can't succeed or black kids can't succeed. If that's the case, then nobody's succeeding because the rest of the schools are lottery. So that's hella backwards to me. Um, it's just a whole bunch of misconceptions. Uh, I definitely, I told, uh, the board that they need to allow black kids and brown kids to keep mace at that school because um i think people are still salty another thing is like they think the board doesn't care um and i don't think that's true i feel like a lot of students complain after the fact and don't really take action um that was definitely something i've seen like hella kids were in the comments like how can we fight this? How can we fight this? Well, like we've been talking about this for like two, three weeks. 
like y'all are a little bit late to the party. Um, so I think not, it's not really a misconception, but using your voice, you know, no matter what side you're on, um, and not waiting to the end is something that definitely happens at Lowell. Yeah. People don't use their voice. It kind of makes me think since like you had the opportunity to talk at these meetings, but you chose not to. And then after the fact, you just want to complain about it. So it kind of makes me question these people, motiv these people's motivation. Like, do they actually want to fight it or do they just want to complain about something? So just something to think about. Um, but yeah, Katya, do you have any um, misconceptions you'd like to clear up? I definitely um, agree with everything Siobhan said. I've heard those same misconceptions and, you know, in terms of the funding one, that's the one that's really dumb to me because Lowell has the most money out of any public high school. I would even say in the state, but I think that people have to really recognize the fact that if there was lesser funding, it would be from alumni. And that's up to you to decide why they decided to take away their funding. Because the way that a school district funds a public high school is how many seats they're giving out. So if you know it's 3,000 kids, which is basically what Lowell is, they're gonna get a lot of funding. Sorry, I was getting a call. <laughs> but like, for example, the PTA or Lowell alumni who, you know, donate a lot, if they decide to stop donating, that's a, like, that's really concerning because why? You know, you don't want your money to go to these specific types of kids. That's what I have to say. I was actually really curious about that funding question. I'm, I'm glad Siobhan brought it up and I'm glad you addressed it because I was under the impression that Lowell receives additional funding from the state for having like high SAT scores and stuff like that. Um, and people are arguing that if you let, is that not true, Siobhan? Is that a misconception? I don't think so. I don't think they receive. They get extra money by about every AP test they administer. So like um, in the school site council's like budget report, if they administ administered the same test they did during quarantine, we would get like 500K into our bucket. So um, definitely some money from there. I don't think we get extra money for SAT or anything. Okay, so so administering the AP exams gives Lowell extra money. And does it matter like how the school scores on those exams or that doesn't matter? Okay, interesting. Because I've heard arguments that if you let kids in that had less resources and they are less prepared for these AP tests or these SAT tests, then the scores go down, then Lowell receives less funding. But that seems to be a complete misconception. Okay, I'm glad we cleared that up. Um, I also I mean, to, yeah, go ahead. Um, before Amiyali goes on how there's actually a receipt of Lowell receiving extra funding, I believe it was almost $40,000. Um, additionally, like of what like the school usually receives and I think that a lot of people don't realize how much money Lowell really has um so just wanted to add that there yeah those there's a reason we never have to cut back on team sizes or team uniforms or school gear 
we have hella money to get all of that stuff. And the main reason is just because Lowell is a really big school and the alumni association is generous. There's a lot of different things like AP tests. I'm pretty sure we administer the most AP tests. So that's one way we get our money. Um, what money comes from the district or, you know, federally, um, that's another way. Alumni give money, PTSA gives money. Um, but I think most of the time that goes to students um, like, for example, I know sometimes, I think last year, uh, the alumni bought like 50 tickets to multicultural night, um, just to give out to students who couldn't afford it. Um, so there's different ways we get our money, but, um, PTSA and alumni are definitely a way we get our money too. Also, I'd like to add really quick that administrators a part of their job is to write grants for their school. So it's never like, oh, if we lose this money, there's no way we can get it from another place. You know, that's a, I would say a beautiful thing about education. There's a lot of money, you know, just even in scholarships, there's a lot of money that we don't really know about because we're not in those discussion tables. But I do know for a fact that there's a lot of people who can get money from outdoor or external places if needed. So if you're worried about, you know, all of a sudden low going broke, I don't think that your, your teachers or the students are gonna let that happen because there's so many ways to get money for low. Definitely, thanks for clearing that up. Ami Ali, would you like to add anything to the misconception discussion? Sure, um, I think there's like also this, like Bonnie said, there's this misconception that like, the I guess the the level of rigorous like that Lowell has or like that very high name is going to go down if these students come in and I think that's completely false and very like I think that's like a really um negative misconception yeah and pretty racist as well like letting kids of color in is somehow going to diminish the reputation of a school like it's pretty blatant racism in my opinion. But I just wanna pose this view to everyone because it's the view of a lot of you know, middle school kids um, and, and a lot of my friends at Lowell who think that uh, you know, having a selective school that only lets in high performing students who were high performing in middle school raises the academic competition in the school and whether you think that's good or bad, some kids want to have that academic competition. And Lowell was really the only um, public option for kids who wanted, you know, um, high performing peers. And uh, a lot of people are worried that since uh, Lowell will be another high school now without, with lottery admissions, that the only choice for, um, academic competition is in private schools, which maybe is, you know, this, this view may also be imbued with racism. But, um, you know, what would you say to a middle schooler who, who is planning to go to Lowell and cannot afford to go to a private school, but also wants academic competition? Um, I like to answer this question. I think that 
this is something that's really valid of course people who are competitive they want to be around other people who are just as competitive and what I would say to the middle schoolers who are worried about not having that environment anymore is to let them know that there are so many extracurriculars that are going to give you this environment and I mean like debate for example like you're in, a, in debate I'm in debate too like that competitiveness is like off the charts if you really like competitiveness there's also so many other things that I probably can't name that are just specifically for low clubs you know you you're never gonna go um to a place and not be able to find that competitiveness and I would say to the fact that like oh it's gonna it's not gonna be at low anymore I still believe that people who want that are still going to go to Lowell because of how well funded it is. And I still believe that those people are going to be sitting with you in class. You know, I think that there's many ways to measure highly driven. Like it's not just what your grades look like and how well you score on a test. So I would say to those people, like, it's definitely going to be a change, but it's not like disappearing. I don't think, I think that's a misconception that, you know, it's not gonna be as rigorous and I understand why, you know, I understand where you are coming from, but that's my response and the fact that you're gonna always be able to find your community. And in, in the typical world, you know, you're not gonna be able to walk into a town and find the type of people you wanna be surrounded by. Like a part of life is being able to find the group of people who you want to be with, the group of people who you want to be, you know, working with. And that's what I would say. Yeah, oftentimes you don't get to choose who you get to be with. So I think a lot of people, I don't know, I feel like with Lowell, I think everyone is just trying to get away from black and brown kids because they think they're like tainted. Um that's what I see in like a lot of these arguments. So I think also someone uh, swiped up to my story and said this, Lowell being viewed as an e equal to private school just proves the point. It only seen as respectable because of the racist systems that equate to excellence with whiteness. The admissions change isn't trying to eliminate systemic racism in America. It's just trying to make sure public schools, which are literally supposed to be yeah, which are literally supposed to be public schools, represent equal access to education. So, I mean, it's it's a public school. So I think it's a no brainer. I mean, why, why can't it be open to everyone if it's a public school? I think, I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely, that makes sense. And I would question to those middle schoolers who think Lowell will go down in academic standing? Like, do you have actual evidence for that? Or do you think letting brown kids in and people of color in will automatically lower academic standing? Uh, I think that could be, you know, a little bit imbued with racism, like Siobhan said, just because Lowell has more, you know, um, white and Asian kids doesn't, ma doesn't make it academically superior. So I, I feel like you could achieve a, a strong academic school, even with, you know, especially with even 
uh, diverse student body. I don't think our faculty are going to change uh, their curriculum that exactly. quick either. Um, a lot of them are anti-lottery, so I don't think um, they're going to switch or be that flexible that uh, fast. And I think also with a lottery system or, you know, the changes with lottery, I don't think anything is going to change drastically within a year. Because mm -hmm. we still yeah. like example, yeah. like, what is it class of 2025? You still have 2022, 23, and 24 who all came in on admissions and one group who came in on lottery. I don't think things are going to change that fast. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Amiali, anything to add on like what I said about, you know, these middle schoolers who may be worried about Lowell not being an option? Um, I agree with Siobhan and Katya on <laughs> what they just said. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to add on. I wanted to add something, a question. So I know a lot of people are attacking this change in Lowell admissions policy, and they kind of use soda as like a reasoning as to why Lowell shouldn't change. So because you guys work really close with the district, do you think that soda is going to be next or what are your thoughts on people blaming like using soda as kind of like a another reason why Lowell shouldn't change um I think that's a valid argument um sorry I got my bird out because he wanted to come out hold on yeah I think people use soda as a scapegoat Um, I'm trying to remember what I was saying. Yeah, so that's a really valid point because the same culture that was at or is at Lowell is at Soda. So I can see why people are like posing the same question. I do know that it's a little trickier because, you know, it's an art school and there's a lot of art schools around the the country and in the state, like I know LA has an art school that's very similar to SOTA. It's a different process than just what are your grades. And maybe the way that they're measuring talent right now is not, you know, equitable. And that's something that I do know the district is not gonna pretend isn't there. I'm not sure what their plans exactly are. Like, I can't say that. But I do know that the same culture that is at Lowell is at Soda. It looks a little bit different because it's an art school. But, you know, those are really valid questions. And I, 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 to the people who are posing those, like, you should keep asking those. Yeah, I think a lot of people think the board is being blind to what happens at Soda because they're dealing with Lowell. And I think a lot of people do Soda I put this on my story, but I think when people bring up soda, they really don't care. They just care that Lowell is being brought up. Um, when I hear people talk about soda, it's like, well, you know, soda doesn't get, you know, it's more like a whining kid to me. Well, soda doesn't have it. I mean, but like at the same time, if you have a burning house, like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, well, what about the house over there? You know, that house isn't burning. So for this example, low admission system is illegal, so does isn't. So I think that's one 
another point of the urgency. Also, Lowell has been, you know, off the hook really bad this year um, with all the stuff that's been happening. Not saying that these issues don't happen at SOTA, but I think there's more urgency based on current events also. Um, yeah, I think SOTA is definitely gonna be dealt with next because Lowell emissions has been removed. Um, so I think that definitely strengthens the case. Like, well, we were able to remove low emissions. We can do the same for soda. Um, yeah. Um, I, I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on making a selective admissions process that accounts for diversity. So um, at Lowell and soda, you would maintain high standards um, to make a competitive academic school, but um, you have the admissions committees consider race and how, um, you know, they would attempt to create, you know, diverse student populations while maintaining, um, you know, high academic and artistic standards. Do you guys think that's possible or is there a contradiction there? I don't think we can do that. I think there's a law or something where you can't consider race, but I also think if we did it, um, there'd be a lot of pushback. Um, back in the day, there was a cap of the number of students you can have from each background. So like you can have like 50 Asian students, 30 white students and like 20 black students. But there was like a lawsuit or something it was specifically regarding Lowell that took away that cap of, you know, we can only have like 100 Asian students. Um, so I think if we do that, there'll be a lot of the same pushback. Like you're not considering all students who are, you know, academically prepared for the school. Um, so I don't think we would be able to do that. To Hello. So the next question that I have for you all is what is your opinion on the recent push from SFUSD to address racism, such as the renaming schools? And what are some misconceptions about renaming schools that you guys would also like to address? So I could go because I'm on that committee. Um, so there's this big misconception that a lot of money is going to this committee. We're all actually volunteers. None of us get paid to do this. Um, and it takes a really long time. We meet like every other Wednesday for like three hours or like two hours just to like decide on what names need to get changed. And nothing is ever finalized with us. We just suggest things. Um, and I think there's this big misconception that if your name is on that list, your school name is automatically changed and there's no going back. And that is not true. We're just suggesting names that don't fit criteria. And most of these names are actually um, represent people who are very racist and um, or oppressed people. Um, and that's actually why we want to change the names. Yeah. Amayali, do you think you could say the criteria, like go a little more into detail with that? Yeah, so there's like, I think there's like a really long list. So each 
So we just, we basically, we pick a name or like there's a list of names, middle schools and high schools. And we go through each name and we do research like over two weeks. And then we come back to the committee. We present what we, what we found. And if that person like um, oppresses a group of people um, in like, if we find like in their history that they were racist in like any sort of way, that name is suggested to get changed. Or if it just doesn't represent the community and what it stands for, then that also gets changed. Like for SFUZ, if it doesn't represent like its values, that needs to get changed as well. I wanted to add on as to why do you think it's really important for like these changes to happen? I know a lot of people wonder why SFUSD is prioritizing name changes over other issues like getting students back in school, etc. So why do you think this is a priority or it should be a priority? Yeah, so I definitely agree that like um, going back to school should be a priority. And I think it, it is for the most part, but um, names, a lot of people who go to these schools, like they represent these people, like it's all over. Um, it's like on team jerseys and stuff like that. And a lot of these names are very racist and um, can hurt a lot of people. Um, and I think it's important because like a lot of students don't know what their what the name of their school means. and um, it doesn't really represent the community. I know for Mission High School, like that name can be very oppressing to indigenous people. And we want to change these names so they represent the people who are marginalized or like overlooked. And I know there's like a push for Yalamu High School with, and Yalamu are like the indigenous people of this land we're standing on and yeah. Yeah, um, so I heard a misconception, even in this podcast, that like the board is prioritizing renaming schools over reopening schools. And this is something like you hear from even the mayor, right, that the Board of Education is focusing on renaming schools instead of focusing on reopening. But the truth is that, you know, just like Amiyali said, it's the volunteers, the community leaders, you know, the elders who are really doing the work in researching and, you know, setting these schools, um, like, like checking them for the criteria. And we've, in like my time as student delegate, we've only talked about it for like two agenda items. And that's way less than how many times we've talked about reopening schools. My opinion, um, reopening, I mean, renaming schools is something that can be very liberating for the students. And the reason why I say this is because of the process that's gonna happen in the decision-making of what is our school gonna be named at after. Um, you know, the reason why I was like, okay, this isn't just like performative activism is because of the process of renaming schools, which is you're gonna go to the, to the school, you're gonna to talk to the students, you're gonna give them a history lesson about why this is not something that you wanna be representing. And then you're gonna give them the opportunity to research individuals who may not ever get that limelight or you know, 
let them be creative with what they want to represent. And I think that's like the most beautiful part of this process. And that's the reason why I think that it's something that is really beautiful because I understand how impactful history is for the individuals. And to be able to feel confident enough in like being able to say, oh, the reason why this person was racist is because of this. And the reason why this person deserves to be on our name is because of this. That's something that really is transformative because transformational because it goes a lot into our paradigms and who we believe we should be representing. I know a lot of the names are of racist white men. And, you know, we've normalized representing these people on an everyday basis. Like, oh yeah, I go to this school, like blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the more that we normalize these behaviors, the more that history is harming those again and again. Even if like you weren't born when this person was harming your community, that harm is still in your blood, you know, like it affects your DNA, this trauma. And I think it's important to really like talk about that and have those discussions with the students, no, with the students. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different misconceptions. Um, I don't think renaming is going to happen that fast due to where we are financially. Um, and also it really took a long time for this committee to get started. Um, this resolution was passed in like 2014, 2016 to have renaming. Um, and the committee is just starting to, you know, flourish. Um, so I think renaming will happen like so fast. Um, I think for some names, I think one thing, my opinion has kind of changed. Um, I'd rather have my school keep their name and change their image. Um, you know, like we're a little, we used to be racist, but now we're not. Um, instead of kind of being like a random school. Um, but I think some other schools, I have friends who go to mission. Um, for them, mission represents like, you know, mission district. Um, but I know to other community, damn. No, it's cool. Um, no worries. Uh, yeah, I, I was just wondering what you guys think about the argument that like, instead of spending money on, you know, reprinting jerseys and things like that, um, we invest in uh, resources for lower income and students of color. So um, I, I understand that renaming these schools is important, but could, wouldn't like uh, actual programs be more important or is that an ignorant argument? I wouldn't call that an ignorant argument because it's like, you know, what are you prioritizing? And it's talking about, well, why is changing like a jersey more impactful than this? And, you know, this is something I think about personally too, you know, even though I, I voted yes, I also have my own opinions on the money aspect, like how this is gonna, you know, impact budget. And when you're in a budget deficit, like the places that you put your money in show a lot about what your priorities are. And I think that that argument is very valid and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to confidently like be like, no, like, I don't think, I think that's an ignorant 
comment. I wouldn't be able to say that because I understand exactly where it's coming from and the impacts of, you know, putting more resources, how that would have like, how that would impact our communities. Yeah, I think a lot of people's, I think um, some people's arguments, um, you know, we should use this for other stuff is definitely valid. Um, but I think because where we are financially, I don't think the district is going to immediately change names. I think there's a lot of stuff we have to work on internally um, before we get started with this. Amiali, do you have any thoughts? I'm curious about your opinion on, on what I said, especially coming from someone on the naming committee. Yeah, um, I agree with what Kathy and Siobhan said. I think that the name committee, um, there should be going money into like families who um, need it and are, are low income. But I also think that like, we're not gonna change names that fast. Like it's, it's not a fast process. We're barely like halfway. And I don't think that's anywhere near like the finish line right now. Okay, thank you guys so much uh, for answering our questions. Leslie, do you wanna conclude us? Yes, so thank you everybody for speaking out today at our podcast and being special guests considering everything that is going on with SFUSD. We all know that your schedules are very um, filled up right now. Um, but just a final question, is there anything that you guys want to leave um, to conclude today's podcast? Any thoughts um, or anything additional in regarding to like the past comments, questions? Thank you. Yeah, the main thing I would say is stay curious and, you know, the questions that come up for you when you're learning about these topics, it's really important to make sure you ask someone who's knowledgeable and not ask someone who, you know, read one article and now they're an expert. I think that, you know, the questions that you were proposing about these, these changes are all super valid and I think that it's important to talk about them more. I think that something I like to do as an individual is engage, engage those conversations because I know how much learning comes out of it from both sides. So I would definitely say stay curious, but make sure that the stuff that you're reading and the people who you're asking are knowledgeable. Don't just think that because they have a strong opinion, they know what they're talking about. Because you'd be surprised how many people can easily put up a front and they're just pushing misconceptions. I can go next. Um, I think, like, I agree with Katya completely. Like, I think people should be a lot more open to like the, the new admissions policy and really reflect like, like, what does this mean for us and the future? And I wanna thank you guys. You guys are, are very well prepared with your questions. Thank you for holding this podcast. Yeah, I don't have much to say, but yeah, thanks guys for starting your podcast. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, and we really appreciate you helping us with our first episode. Right. Thank you guys. Honored. Thank you for thinking of us. <laughs>